Thank you, church family, for praying for me. I have a praise. I, I was given clearance on Thursday to be completely out of my sling. So uh, praise God for that. But just to let you know, I will put it on after the service is over because <laughs> I don't want to get bumped. Uh, but, pray, but praise God uh, for that in, in our lives. And I do thank you for all your prayers for me and, and, and our family and the, all the help and blessing that, that you all have been to, to me and my family during this, this past month. Again, excited to come to the Word of God today. We're going to be again in the book of Proverbs, and just like last week, we're, we're not going to do what we traditionally do, which is stand, read a text, uh, pray, and then go, but we have really a, a topical series we did last week and this week on what it means to be a good friend and a good neighbor. And if you'll recall, last week we had the points in the bulletin and the scriptures we have the same thing this week. So if you have your bulletin, open that up and look on the left side. And what you're going to see is a continuation of last week's message. Today we look at what a good friend and neighbor is, part two. Last week we looked at the first four points. So today we're going to pick up with point number five, what it means to be a good friend and a good neighbor. And we're going to read the scriptures as we go along. So uh, use your Bible, use your bulletin. The scriptures will also be on the screen, but excited to again see what the Bible says about friendship. So if you would, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask his blessing upon the preaching of his holy word. Pray with me. Our God and Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And as we come to your word, we acknowledge, God, that you are the supreme author of your word, that it is God-breathed the only rule for faith and practice, that we should be living our lives under the lordship of what your word teaches us, Father. We acknowledge that even now. We pray that you would remove every distraction from this place, whether in our minds or our hearts, the issue of the day, the cares of the week, that we might focus upon your word and worship you through the preaching of it. Bless this time. May the words of my mouth, may the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight today to bring forth your word. Open our ears to hear. May we decrease, may Jesus increase. If there's one here who doesn't know Jesus, draw that one savingly to yourself. Yet for believers, we pray that we would grow in your grace and knowledge, that we would really see what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. Bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. So last week we started, what does it mean to be a good friend and neighbor? And if you recall, last week when we started this conversation, we remembered what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he answered it this way, first of all, vertically, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That horizontal relationship. So last week we started asking questions about being a friend or specifically being a neighbor. We asked, what does it look like to love your neighbor as yourself? How are we as believers to relate to other people what does it really mean to be a good friend and a good neighbor? And last week we mentioned that Proverbs has about 
at least eight different answers to this question. We put them in eight points. Last week, I'll just review the first four before we get into the next four. Last week, we learned that a good neighbor is peaceful and does not plot or plan against each other. We remembered how Ahab and Jezebel were terrible neighbors to Naboth, and they plotted and planned against him over a vineyard. We learned that a good friend is restrained and calm, that he has control over his words because you can destroy a person with harsh words. In fact, we learned last week that Proverbs says harsh words are are like taking a sword and thrusting it into someone. They're very hurtful. Thirdly, we learned that a good friend is kind and generous instead of harsh. We remembered the good Samaritan seeing the man on the ground. He didn't know the man, but he decided to be kind and generous to that man, to pick him up, to put oil on his wounds, to bind him, to take him to the inn. And then lastly, we learned that a good friend has to actually keep his distance from certain people because of anger issues. We learned that when you're around an angry person, that can so affect you that you bring that anger into your own life and bring it out against other people. So today we pick up where we left off. Today, let's look at number five. Number five, the Bible teaches us that a good friend and a good neighbor will not be fickle. Here's the scripture, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 27, 10. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your father's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. You know, it is so nice to have a good friend, isn't it? Especially when you're going through a difficult time, what this text calls adversity. When you think about friendship in the Bible, many of us immediately think back to that story in 1 Samuel, don't we? Two good friends, two guys named Jonathan and David. 1 Samuel teaches us about the friendship. It says that David, like this verse says, was going through great adversity. He was going through so much adversity that his life wanted to be taken by the king, the king of Israel, who of course was Saul, but David had a friend. And that friend just happened to be the king's son. His name was Jonathan. And the Bible teaches us a lot about Jonathan and David's friendship. The Bible says that Jonathan loved David as his own soul. It even says that His father despised David, but in spite of that, Jonathan decided to be a good friend to David. In fact, he went to the point of making a covenant with David, the Bible says. Jonathan decided to be truthful to him and to look out for him no matter what. And by the way, that's exactly what David needed. Because David's life was being threatened by King Saul. So Jonathan decided he's going to help out his friend. When Saul, his father, had planned to kill David, Jonathan made a plan to protect his friend 
1 Samuel said it was a plan involving bows and arrows and a young boy who went to retrieve them. We know the story. But on that day, David was so thankful. He was so thankful that he did not have a fickle friend, one who would be a friend to him one day and not be a friend to him the next. You see, Jonathan was a dear friend in spite of all the adversity that was going on. Saved his life. Saved his life. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a friend like that? Do you have someone who will love you all the time and not be fickle? Or maybe a better question is, are you that friend? Are you able to love at all times? You know, when we think about those questions, what might pop into our mind many times is when we mess that up. Because every single one of us mess that up in life. We mess up being the friend that we should be. We let each other down. We're not there when maybe our friend needs us the most. You know, the Bible talks about stories like that as well. We think about the relationship, the friendship, if you will, between Jesus and Peter. Right before Jesus died, there was a conversation between Jesus and Peter. And Peter said this to King Jesus. He said, I promise you, Jesus, I will be there for you all the time. In fact, his words were out of the book of Luke. Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison or to death. But we know it was just a short time later. Peter denied his friend Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. Even to the point of cursing. And when the rooster crowed that day, Peter realized he had been a fickle friend. He was not there when his friend Jesus needed him the most. He absolutely messed up. But the good news for Peter and the good news for us is that when we mess up, the Lord Jesus is there to forgive us. The Lord Jesus is there to restore us. Because that's exactly what Jesus did to Peter. He held him accountable, yet he forgave him. He restored him. And God used him mightily for the work of ministry. Beloved, a good friend is not a fickle friend. So we ask the questions today. Have you ever had a friend who's been there for you in a difficult time like Jonathan was for David? If so, give thanks for that. Cherish that relationship. Have you been able to be there for someone else in a difficult time? Or have you messed that up like Peter? Maybe you need to forgive someone who's messed that up. Maybe you need to be restored. Our God is in the business of forgiving and restoring these relationships. A good friend, the Bible teaches us, is not fickle. But secondly, today, we see the sixth point. And that is simply that a good friend can be open and honest. Proverbs 27, 6 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. The difference between faithful and profuse, the wounds of a friend, the kisses of an enemy. 
Let's talk about the wounds of a friend. Have you ever had to tell one of your friends something that's difficult for them to hear? Or have you been on the receiving end? Have you been told something by someone else that is very difficult to hear? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know, the Apostle Paul, he went on that first missionary journey to the region of Galatia. And the Bible says he started several churches there, uh, he and Barnabas. And after he came back from that trip, some false teachers came into Galatia. And they began changing all the doctrine in the church. And the Galatians bought into it. They bought into all the false doctrine of the church. The church, the false teachers were saying, you could get to heaven by being a good person. You could get to heaven by your works. And Paul had preached them the exact opposite, that you're not saved by your works. You're justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So he wrote them a letter. We know the letter because it's the book of Galatians. And if you open up that book of Galatians, in chapter 1, verse 6... Paul says to the Galatians, I'm astonished at you. In other words, I can't believe that you turned away from the truth of the gospel to these false lies being taught by the Judaizers. You get into the second chapter, Paul says, I had to confront Peter face to face publicly because of his hypocrisy denying that you're justified by faith. He went with the works righteousness people. In the third chapter, verse 1, Galatians 3.1, Paul says to the Galatians, you're being very foolish. Now think about being the Galatians. Think about being Peter the, on the receiving end of that. You, you get words like, I'm astonished at you. You're, you're being foolish. You're being approached right into your face, even in front of other people. That might not be the, the greatest conversation. That might be a difficult conversation to have and to hear to accept. But Paul was actually being a good friend. He was telling them exactly what they needed to hear. In fact, he says in Galatians 1, his main goal is not to have friendship with the world, but to be right with God as he explains his theology. And in Galatians 4, verse 16, he asks a question. A question maybe that you've asked, maybe in your own heart or maybe to your own friends in a time of these types of conversation. He says this, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? See, Paul was being a good friend to these Galatians. He was being open. He was being honest. And he was trying to love them in such a way that that truth was given to them in love. Sometimes the hardest thing that you need to hear might actually come from your best friend. Because that best friend is being a good friend to you. He or she is seeing something maybe in your life that needs to be called out. Paul did that faithfully to the Galatians. You might, it might feel like the wound of a friend, but as this text says, faithful are the wounds of the friend. So we ask the question, can you be honest and open in your relationships
with your friends. We all need that. Thirdly, which is actually fifth, sixth, seventh, right? So seventh. The Bible teaches us that a good friend and neighbor will be a good counselor. Look at these texts. Proverbs 27, 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Proverbs 27, 17, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Men, it says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens the other. Do you ever ask your friends for advice or for counsel? Or do, you, do your friends ever ask you for the same thing? Do they ask you for counsel? You know, we constantly do this all the times in our friendships. We seek the advice of someone else that we know that we trust. Well, this text says that a good friend is going to give earnest counsel. Again, let's turn back to the Scriptures for our examples. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Many of those books were to individual people. Some of those books were to churches, larger groups of people. But if you look at the writings of Paul, he is constantly giving good counsel to his friends and to area churches. Think through this with me. Timothy. Timothy was his friend. He picked up Timothy and Lystra on that second missionary journey. Timothy spent a lot of time with Paul, second journey, third journey. But Timothy, though he was young and and ready to follow Paul, the Bible says he was very timid. So Paul gave him earnest counsel. He said, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of a sound mind. Let me counsel you, Timothy. He told Titus, he gave him encouragement and counsel. He said, Titus, I'm putting you in charge to put things in order in the church where you are. He told Philemon, Philemon, I counsel you. Please receive Onesimus. Yes, I know Onesimus abandoned you, but he now knows the Lord. Receive Onesimus just as you would receive me, Paul said. He counseled the Philippians. He told them at the very beginning of that book, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He told the Ephesians, he counseled them, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. He counseled the Colossians to seek things which are above and not things on this earth. Open up Corinthians, just turn the pages, page after page. Paul is giving counsel. He counsels them on divisions in the church, spiritual immaturity, sexual immorality, lawsuits, marriage, idols, the Lord's Supper, love. Over and over and over, he's giving counsel. But in 1 Corinthians, he says something that kind of sums up the way we should be counseling our friends. He says in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11.1, he says to them, Be be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That's some of the greatest counsel you could ever give a friend. 
follow me as I follow Jesus. You see, what that sums up is that in every part of his counsel, he's always pointing people to Jesus. If you want to give your friend or your neighbor good counsel, tell them kind of what Paul told the Corinthians. Imitate me as I follow Jesus Christ. Always point people to Jesus Christ. Now, how can you and I do that? Well, we've got to know the Scriptures. We've got to know the Word of God, which brings us back to our whole doctrine of Scripture. The Bible says all Scriptures God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That means that we have to know the Word of God so when people ask us for counsel, we can point them back to the Word of God so that they might follow Christ. We have to have the Word of God in our hearts and our minds so that we might not sin against God. It is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. So a good counselor is going to always point you to follow Jesus. Beloved, as church members here, I want you to know that the elders of this church, we are committed to being good friends to you by giving you biblical counsel. One of the things we want to do as elders is to be involved in your lives to use the Scriptures to point you to Jesus. You see, God has not meant for any of us to walk through this life alone. Even Jesus Christ Himself on this earth gathered 12 close friends in an inner circle and had greater and more developed friendships with those men than He did other people. We are not called to walk through this life alone. Iron sharpens iron men. Put yourself around people who are going to point you to Christ. Teenagers, children, I encourage you, put yourself around people who are going to point you to Jesus Christ. As iron sharpens iron, so will you sharpen one another. Follow others who are following Jesus Christ. And take the opportunity in your life, when you're asked for counsel, to point other people to Jesus, just as Paul did to those Corinthians. Eighth, and finally this morning. A good friend, the Bible says, will be tactful. That means he or she will know when, where, and how to use his words. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. The man described by this proverb is that annoying person who does not mean what he says and who does not say, he does not say what he means. He is not tactful. So rather than being this man, we're going to go through four points here about being tactful. The Bible says that tactful words should first of all be truthful. Proverbs 16, 13 says, Righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he, and he loves him who speaks what is right. Righteous lips, truthful lips. The ninth commandment teaches us, thou shalt not lie. We know that Jesus is a God of truth. He loves the truth. In fact, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul encouraged the Ephesians to speak the truth in love to one another. 
Why? Because that builds unity. If you want to tear unity down, tell lies. Lie in your friendships. Lie to your neighbor. There will be disharmony, a lack of unity. But truthful words are tactful words. Secondly, tactful words are few. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. That means sometimes the best thing to do is just be quiet. (laughs) To restrain our lips. As James says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Yet it's our tendency to want to speak the most, to be angry the fastest. That's not being a tactful friend. Keep your words few. Number three, tactful words should be appropriate to the circumstance. Proverbs 15 says, make, To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. This is knowing what to say and when to say it. This is teaching us to have discernment in our speech. Timing is very key here to do that. And then fourth and finally, tactful words are restrained and calm. This is a verse we visited last week, Proverbs 17. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. This is a man or a woman who maintains control, has self-control. When you think about, um, and we're going to get to this in a couple weeks, the qualifications of elders and deacons, there's a lot to say in those sections of Timothy and Titus about self-control, a restrained and a calm spirit. But beloved, as we conclude today, just as we did last week, let's talk about Jesus. Because in all this talk about friendship and being a good neighbor, we need to remember something about Jesus, is that Jesus himself is the perfect friend. To the points we had today, first of all, Jesus is never fickle. He's never fickle. He doesn't say, I love you, and then he says, I hate you. In fact, Jesus says, I will not leave you or forsake you. Jesus says, you have no idea how high, how wide, and how deep my love is. Jesus says to us, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, not even death. He will never leave you. Jesus is not fickle. Secondly, Jesus is honest. In John chapter 18, Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate and said this, The reason I was born, the reason I came into this world, is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate responded, What is truth? Even though he's looking at the way and the truth and the life. Christ is always honest with us. Thirdly, Jesus is a good counselor. We know Jesus forgave Peter. He restored him to the gospel ministry. He encouraged and forgave that adulterous woman in the book of John. He allowed Thomas to see his hands and his side. Jesus gives all of us great counsel because he gives us 66 books of a completed word of God and says, here's exactly what I want you to know. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to guide you through this. 
And then, of course, Jesus is tactful. He always has the right words, what we need to hear at the right time. Think about these things. When we're hungry, you know what Jesus says to us? I'm the bread of life. When we're thirsty, Jesus says to us, I will give you living water. When everything seems out of control, Jesus stands up and says, peace, be still. When we have anxiety about tomorrow, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When we're lost, Jesus says, I am the way. When we need someone to die for our sins, Jesus says the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And when we need a friend, when we need a friend, Jesus says greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. We couldn't have a better friend than Jesus. And just as Jesus has been a perfect friend to us, he's now called us as his people to go out and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Be that good friend. Be the one who is peaceful, not plotting. The one who is restrained and calm, kind and generous, not angry, not fickle, but can be open and honest, a good counselor, one who is tactful, knowing when, where, and how to use our words. Beloved, how are you relating to other people today in friendship? Remember the friendship Jesus Christ has given to all of us, the call to love God, and then his call to go love your neighbor as yourself. Pray with me, please. Our God and Heavenly Father, we come to you acknowledging the truth of your word, thanking you, Father, for uh, speaking 